What a weekend of college football we just had. Now the Blue Bloods are here to bring you all the information you need to wrap up an exciting weekend of college football, given a day late. But we're here. We're going to start with recapping our pick six games in which were arguably the best, most most exciting and important games of the weekend. And then we're going to move on, break down the new Big Ten schedule, which was released Saturday morning. We have a full show, even though we only got two segments. So let's go ahead, kick this off. So week three has come and gone, guys. But listen, the SEC joins the party next weekend. We have plenty to recap from this weekend of college football. And in case you weren't here when we started the podcast, we have pick six. We pick six of the best, most important games of the weekend, make our predictions, break them down. So right now we're going to recap them, give you guys all the info you need to know from all these exciting games. So let's start with one of... Probably the most unpredictable, craziest games of the weekend down in Stillwater, Oklahoma, where Oklahoma, where the Oklahoma State Cowboys pulled out a close 16-7 to win over the Tulsa Golden Hurricanes. Brandon, I know this game had us both sweating. What were your thoughts here? Well, for a second, I thought I was going to have to just not show up to the podcast today because we had it. I mean, we could not have been more wrong about this prediction. Um Somehow, this was a game until the fourth quarter. So, uh, Tulsa was winning at halftime. Tulsa was winning going into the fourth quarter. And then Oklahoma State decided, you know what? We should, we probably should start playing football in the fourth quarter. So, they, they pulled off. They they, they got 13 points um, in the final quarter of play. I don't know. I didn't. I mean, I, I tried to watch this entire game. I, you know, I feel like I have to flip between channels every now and then, but I just really wanted to keep the, the game on this channel for a long time. Yeah, um, well, let's just say I'm kind of upset about how this game went, per se. I mean, listen, I, I want to start by saying this. I don't think this game could have went any worse for Oklahoma State in their offense. I mean, Brady, you had Spencer Sanders, starting quarterback, Finally has some experience. He goes down early in the first quarter. I believe it was their second drive of the game, and he could not return. Their main backup, Ethan Bullock, definitely not up to the task. Brandon, I know for a fact I could have cut one of your hands off, blinded you. You still probably would have had a better chance than Ethan Bullock at making a pass to Tylen Wallace because he had no idea what he was doing. I mean, he even threw an interception, I believe, on his first drive in the game. But listen. Shane Illingsworth stepped up, Brandon, true freshman four-star. He led the scoring drive touchdown on his first drive, and he three scoring drives late in the game. I mean, four for five, 75 yards. He was averaging 15 yards per throw, Brandon. Listen, I personally believe this kid's the best quarterback on the roster. He might not be able to run like Spencer Sanders, but this kid has an arm. And, you know, Brandon, I still feel good in our prediction. I, I really do. I think... I mean, so you already had COVID, so everything's kind of on rocky start. You don't have a home field advantage. You didn't get all the preparation, and then your starting quarterback goes down. I mean, 
How many reps do you think um, Shane Illsworth got in practice over the all season? Uh, none. It's Shane Illingworth. So I'm going to, I mean, we got to do something about the set. We got to do something about the pronunciation because I, I feel like I'm being dragged down by your performance. That's fine. That's fine. We, we, you know, you can drag, I, I can drag you down. You picked the podcast up, Brandon, but you know what? You know, if that's the case, you're just like the Oklahoma State defense because whatever you want to say, this Oklahoma State defense looked amazing this weekend. I mean, Brandon, we talked Tulsa's offense. A lot of people said this was going to be a high-scoring game. Oklahoma State held Tulsa to 278 yards, and the biggest stat of the day, 0 for 11 on third downs. Right. That's... That's elite status right there, and the defense consistently was put into horrible positions, Brandon. I mean, how many drives was the defense put into a terrible position by a turnover, by the offense getting a quick three and out? I mean, they were on the field all game long, and that secondary, I think it's the best secondary in the Big 12. It's right up there with Baylor. I mean, Trey Sterling had eight tackles from a safety spot. Tanner McAllister had six tackles and a pass break of his own. Harv, uh, Colby Harville Peel, three tackles, had the lone interception. Uh, Malcolm Rodriguez was all over the field in coverage and, and you know, in the front seven, 10 tackles, a sack, Brandon, two tackles for loss, two quarterback hurries. And this defense is why I'm still confident in this pick. I mean, this might be one of the best defenses overall in the Big 12. And that's really, I mean, them... Chuba Hubbard and Tyler Wallace are why I picked this team. And if this O-line can get better, I feel real confident. But, Brandon, I know you kind of want to speak on this. This offensive line looked atrocious this weekend. Yeah, I was about to say that's a big if they can get better. Because I, I I mean, I guess it is hard to get worse if you're Oklahoma State's offensive line. That, that's, that's the spin zone I'll give them. Um, but, man, what a rough outing. I, I mean, I don't know. Chuba Hubbard couldn't go anywhere. Um, Spencer Sanders is sitting there. Get, I mean, your starting quarterback's getting hurt because because why? Because you don't have an offensive line. So I don't know, man. It, you got to pick it up. It's it, it's a bad look. I mean, Hubbard somehow still came away with ninety three rushing yards, a touchdown. Yeah, but he didn't look he's, good. No, yeah, he's gonna have to be better. I was I was about to get there. He's gonna be a lot better for this team to compete against teams like Oklahoma and Texas and the offensive line. Gave up six sacks, Brandon. That's a major, major concern, but I expect improvement. But I still got confident in Oklahoma State. I know Brandon might not, but, you know, we'll find out more next week. The Cowboys head to, you know, or host West Virginia next week in their conference opener. Tulsa heads heads to Arkansas to take on Arkansas State this upcoming weekend and what's sure to be another really tough game for the Golden Hurricanes. But we're going to move on here. We're going to move on to Syracuse at number 25, Pitt. Pitt won a close, uh, not really a close game, but it's a low scoring game, 21 to 10, um, you know, in their conference home opener. Brandon, what did you think of the Pitt Panthers here? The one thing I have to say about Pitt is I'm sorry, Kenny Pickett, because he looked really, really good uh, for at least part of this game, didn't he? I, you know, I think he played well, but Brandon, I know, I know you probably feel the same way. I, I think this works against Syracuse. This works against Austin P. I need to see him push the ball down the field more consistently. He had one really good touchdown pass 
up the seam. I believe it was in the first first or second quarter, if I'm not mistaken, but he's still only averaging six yards per completion. That's not going to cut it against the Clemson's, the UNC's, and Notre Dame's. Yeah, I don't know. I mean, he was he was seventy percent passing this weekend too, which I mean that's pretty that's pretty outstanding against that Syracuse uh, back end. That's what I'm saying, and, and I mean it's better than what Tommy DeVito could say that he was. Well, okay, let's let's stop. Let's. I, I don't even. I don't even want to hear Kenny Pickett and Tommy DeVito in the he same paragraph. Bench sack. <laughs> yeah, he should have. He sounds, but his name sounds really good, right? Yeah, it sounds great until you realize that he might be the worst quarterback in the Power Five. I think yeah. Rutgers might have a better quarterback. So I, I'm pretty sure that last season we uh, we just relentless, we relentlessly bullied. Uh, I can't remember who it was. It was so just some quarterback. For having an 11 QBR, Tommy DeVito had a 7.8 QBR this weekend. So I don't, I don't know how you do that. I mean, well, okay, let's give him a small break. I mean, look, I, this was my big takeaway from the game, Brandon. I mean, all about defensive domination from this pit defense. I mean, Brandon, they held the Orange to 171 total yards, only 10 first downs. And two for 14 on third downs. Brandon, they only allowed them to have 1.5 yards per rush, two turnovers, and they've racked up seven sacks and 13 tackles for loss. Right. I, I mean, I don't think you could have, you could have put anybody on that Syracuse roster back there and Rashad Weaver would have eaten them alive. I mean, he had seven tackles, two sacks, three tackles for loss. And Brandon, you know, my favorite player on this pit team. If you've been listening, you know, my favorite player on this pit team, Paris Ford. He continued his stellar season, four tackles, another interception, which gives him two in as in as in as many games he's he's played this year. I really, Brandon, I know you're really how Stingley I am too. I think Ford could be right there with Stingley making a run for the Thorpe Award for one of the best secondary players in the country by the time the season's over. Yeah, I mean he looked great and that that interception, you know, it wasn't it wasn't what you think of when you think of like a spectacular interception, but I mean he laid out for it and, and he got it. He got he ha- he caught that pass that I don't know, I don't know another uh, defensive back that would have made that play. You know, I mean, it was like a it was what well, was like a tip ball, and he just laid out for it and got the interception. Yeah, the, but the thing that gets me about him is I I don't know how you feel. I mean, he always seems to be in the right spot. Right. There's never a play I'm like, hey, where is Paris Ford? Wasn't he supposed to be there? It, he's always like, oh, I didn't think Paris Ford was going to be right there. <laughs> like, how did he get there? Did he teleport across the field? I mean, the kid is elite, guys. And, you know, Brent, I do agree with you. I think Kenny Pickett was the bright spot for this pit offense. But, I mean, he's going to need more help. I mean, that running game, only 2.9 yards per rush against a weak Syracuse front seven. Yeah. I mean, that also that also counts in Kenny Pickett's sacks, but yeah, yeah. I, well, that's another problem. Well, how is Syracuse? If Syracuse is getting to Kenny Pickett, and he has he, he forces him kind of into a weird interception, and what do you think Clemson's defensive line is going to do to Pitt? Okay, fair enough. And, and you know, I don't think Clemson's the only team. I mean, Notre Dame has some pretty big, pretty good pass rushers. What about Miami? You think Quincy Roche is a bum? I don't think so. Um, you know, I think Pitt right now, Brendan, is competing for the middle to lower lower top tier in the ACC. I think it's gonna. I think they're gonna be a tough team for almost anybody to beat in the ACC. And 
and as weird as this to say, that defense is going to show up week after week. I think the big question mark, Brandon, I think any pit game we cover in the future, it's almost a guarantee that the storyline to watch is what Kenny Pickett are we going to get? I, I think that's fair, right? I mean, he he holds the key to how the ceiling and the floor of this pit team. Right. Yeah, that's so fair. we'll we'll see, guys. But Pitt has a big matchup next week, a ranked matchup against Louisville. And Syracuse hosts Georgia Tech next week in the Dome. That's going to be a barn burner, I'm sure. But we're going to move on to a game we're probably not going to spend much time on here. Um, it was it was a massacre up there <laughs> in South Bend. Number seven Notre Dame shuts out USF fifty-two to nothing. And guys, if you want a pure domination, then this was the game. I mean, Notre Dame was better in every single aspect of the game, and USF looked overmatched for an entire sixty minutes. Yeah, they they did. Um, I don't know, and and I honestly, I mean, Ian Book looked incredible, right? I mean, yeah, he came he out three he rushing t- three rushing touchdowns. Yeah. I mean, I, I think he only had like nine rushing yards, but yeah. He's well, kinda, I'll say, yeah, he's, <laughs> he's, he's like a red zone like, runner. Yeah, Ian Book's kind of like that. Uh, he's like the make-your-own-player in NCAA 14 where you, you just – you make a quarterback and then you just run with him. Like, why even have an arm, really? <laughs> I mean, yeah, because what, he had 143 yards passing. I mean, he had an 86.9 QBR. That's really good. but. Yeah. They got to be vanilla. I mean, why would you show anything against USF, Brandon? Uh, you know, the strength of USF is their secondary. So why, if you can run it, I mean, the leading rusher, Sebo Flimster, had 120 yards rushing and averaged 9.8 yards a carry. Why would you ever pass it? And they, the Notre Dame team had six rushing touchdowns. Which is nuts. Just outrageous. But, you know, we talk about bad quarterbacks with Tommy DeVito. Brandon, how about this quarterback issue down in South Florida? I mean, Jordan McLeod, Noah Johnson, Contravious Marsh. I don't think I've seen more horrendous football in my life. I mean, the highest QBR between the three was a 21.2. While somehow, you know, Johnson racked up, Brandon, a whopping 7.6 QBR. See, but you say that, and then you look over to Notre Dame's side, and you see that Drew Pine had a 2.4 QBR. Uh, I mean, let's not make fun of the kids. So, okay, I, I, I don't want to keep going on this rant, but how? How 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 is this calculated? Because Travius Marsh had no completions, no passing yards, no stats, and still had a 10.5 QBR. So I, what, what was my QBR this weekend? Did I have – what did I have? Like an 11? How many beers did you throw in the trash? Oh, man. Um, a lot. Zach, I talked to you Saturday night a lot. So your QBR might have been as high as Ian Books. That, hey, look, I mean, I I barely missed. You know, I think I might have missed like one, <laughs> maybe. So, yeah, I, mean, I think it's Listen, if there's any arena football teams out there, B-Dub's looking for a shot. He's got a hell of an arm on him. He was the best long snapper in the state of Alabama back in the day. Hit him up. But, guys, Notre Dame heads to face Wake Forest next week. I don't know how close of a game that will be, but we'll see. While South Florida heads to face in-state rival Florida Atlantic next weekend, 
and we'll see if they can get back on the right track. It's a lot better matchup for USF next week than this week, but this we're going to a game that broke my heart, guys. I'm still not over this game. We're going to talk about Central Florida beating Georgia Tech 49-21. to Brandon, listen, don't let this final score mislead you because Georgia Tech was in this game until, like, what, mid-fourth quarter? But were they? Yes, they were. I don't know, Zach. I don't know about that. Uh, UCF scored 21 unanswered in the final, like, ten and a half minutes. Okay. Whatever. No, that's fine. I, look, I, I knew ahead. it wouldn't Go be this ahead. close. Zach, Zach had I'm this upset. game. Had this game. He had Georgia Tech losing by a field goal. And as a matter of fact, in the first quarter, Zach texted me and said, "Man, I should have picked Georgia Tech." And I said, "Don't." I said, "Not so fast." And I pulled out my mascot head, like Lee Corso, uh, and I pulled out the Black Knight. And you want to know why? Because I knew, I knew all along in my heart that UCF was going to win this game, and they were going to win this game. I mean, they were going to more than double Georgia Tech's points because guess what, Zach? Georgia Tech, not good at football. I try to tell you, you don't listen, not good at football. Uh, You know, I'm not here for the slander. I mean, listen, Georgia Tech, the, the turnovers beat them, man. I mean, they tried to do too much. Five total turnovers. And UCF consistently turned those into points, and you can't pull off an upset over a top 15 team with five turnovers. Um, Brandon, I know you're going to bring him up. Yeah. I'll beat you to it. Dylan Gabriel, absolutely spectacular. He's elite. He, what, I knew four, over, over 400 yards, four touchdowns. And, you know, Marlon Williams, 150 yards receiving, two touchdowns. And, Brandon, for the entire wide receiving unit for UCF, they averaged 15 and a half yards per catch for everybody. Yeah, they did. That's stupid. That is ridiculous. <laughs> How is that even possible? Like, not one person messed that average up? Yeah, I mean, I, look, I mean, I told you about this kid. You always want to keep talking about Sam Howell. I'm, I'm, I'm a Dylan Gabriel guy. I'm sorry, through and through. I am. You know, 417 yards passing, Dylan Gabriel guy. I'm upset. But listen, I want to talk about a kid who absolutely flashed for me. Jameer Gibbs, Brandon. We've talked about him a little bit. Four-star, true freshman. I mean, listen, 66 yards rushing, 60 yards receiving, two total touchdowns. Doesn't sound like, an, it, I guess, an impressive stat line. If you watched a game, he just popped off the screen for me. I mean, he looks like he could be a future NFL pick out of Georgia Tech at running back. And Brad, I don't know how far into the game you watched, like, or if, you know, I know some people don't like to listen to the announcers that closely, but Greg McElroy, in I think it was like the third quarter, said that he read a scouting report, a report on Gibbs, and it said like pro comparison, it was Reggie Bush. Nah, that's nuts. That's outrageous. I mean, just to even maybe be Reggie Bush is an outstanding feat. To be, and this kid looked every bit the part of an elite running back, and I'm so excited. And listen, I've talked about in the last two weeks, Jeff Sims has a lot of potential, but he has to stop trying to do too much, Brandon. I know you see it. I know you see the potential. But he forces too many passes. He escapes the pocket just a little bit too quick, and that's all going to come to him. He's going to figure out how to 
work through his progressions, all that. But he's going through some freshman growing pains. I mean, 244 yards passing, 82 yards rushing, two total touchdowns. I don't know how he had a 24 QPR, Brandon. How in the world do you throw for 250 yards, have 82 rushing and two touchdowns? Yes, you had two interceptions, but that's a 24. That's a that's like a F minus 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 minus. Okay. How in the world? I need to know how this is calculated. But listen, I think it reflects his accuracy and decision making right now. Bright, bright future, but he's going to go through some freshman growing pains and. You know, Brandon, you got the win here. I, I'm, I guess I also got the win. Uh, my heart wasn't in it, though. You know, I felt like a passenger here being drug along, but your boy got the win. UCF has to Easter, East Carolina next weekend. I don't know how that's going to go for East Carolina, but I'm assuming not very well. Georgia Tech, like I said, heads to the Dome to face Syracuse in a huge conference matchup. Guys, we're going into our last game here. It's because we'll Baylor-Houston... Baylor Houston that we were going to cover here got canceled because of COVID concerns at Baylor. So that's why we're not covering that game because there's nothing to cover. But me and Brandon are fairly certain that Baylor would have won that game. So we're chalking that up to a win for all <laughs> of us here. Um, Miami Louisville here, guys. I've been trying to avoid it. The Hurricanes dominate 47 34 win. You know, over the Cardinals up in Louisville, Brandon. Go ahead. I know you got a lot. I know you got a lot to say, and I know none of it's insightful. So go ahead. You know, some people would say I had a lot to say, um, including you. I don't have much to say, Zach, except uh, I was right, you were wrong. Uh, it's simple as that, Zach. I, and and Derek King came out and and he showed he showed Louisville what he was made of. And Malik Cunningham, he did look pretty good. Just not as good as Derek King this weekend. Uh, I don't. I don't know what to say, Zach. I, I have no idea what else to say other than uh, let's go the U. The U. Hmm. You, know, you know. Let me say this. I think the biggest story. I'm gonna spin this. I've been thinking about how to do it. I'm putting my uh-huh. lawyer skills to work here. The biggest story of the night is that Louisville's offense deserved all the hype they got during the off season. But this defense, someone take their scholarships. They don't even deserve it. All of them. This defense might be the worst defense in the ACC. I'm I'm here to say it. You know, uh, the Cardinals gave up what five over 500 total yards, but they also put up over 500 total yards and turnovers. Three turnovers against a team like the Hurricanes are going to cost you a game like this every single time. And, you know, I'm upset because De'Aaron King and Cameron Harris absolutely looked the part. They, that this might be one of the best one-two combos in the ACC right up there behind Trevor Lawrence and Travis Etienne. I mean, King, over 300 yards passing, three touchdowns, no turnovers. That's huge in a game like this. And, Brandon, remember in the preview episode, I said I need to see him make more plays from the pocket. Well, guess what he did? He pushed the ball deep down the field in the pocket. He didn't have to rely on his legs every play. If he can do this game in and game out, Miami is a top three team in the ACC. Yeah. That's how that's their potential. And Brandon Cameron Harris, that's a grown man playing amongst like 18 year olds. I mean, 14.9 yards per carry in a ranked matchup on the road. And we thought they were going to miss uh, DJ Dallas. 
DJ Dallas don't don't even mention him. I don't even want him in the, this the same show as Cameron Harris. We're gonna have to edit that out now. He doesn't okay. deserve to be in the same show as Cameron Harris. I mean, All right, well, his size makes him such such a hard player to tackle. I mean, he could turn any play into a back breaking, you know, seventy yard run. And Brandon Brevin Harris too. I want to say this: that tight end. I mean. That, that that leaping that that hurdle he had on the way, and the, oh my gosh! I was like, dude, how I was, did how? I was just looking how? back at our text where he, you said JV and Hawking is really good. I said you're so mad that Miami's winning. You said Mark me down is not worried. And followed by that hurdle was sick. <laughs> uh, I mean, what a night! Ah, uh, it was it was a night. I mean, seven catches, one twenty, a touchdown. It's crazy. I mean, this Cardinals defense has to be better, Brandon. Every play, I don't think, I don't know how many plays Miami run off the top of my head, but every single play there was a missed tackle, um, a stupid penalty, um, a broken coverage, all that. And it's like, what what are we doing here if we're Louisville? You know, more discipline is needed, uh, improvements everywhere, more just attention to detail. I mean, I don't have any confidence in this defense, Brandon. Not a single one. I mean, I picked Louisville to finish, I, be, I believe, fourth in the ACC. I don't know if they're a top seven team right now because of this defense. Right. You had them third. Are you confident they're going to finish third in the ACC? I, I don't want to talk about it. That's what I thought. But JV and Hawkins, 2-2 at well, Brandon. I think you can agree. They put up elite performances in a loss. They just had a slow start. I mean, Hawkins over 106 yards rushing, a touchdown. Atwell, 110, two touchdowns. But... Brandon, I think the story is they started slow. Miami got the momentum, and the Hurricanes are such a much improved team from last year that I, I don't think you can count them out of any game. I think they're going to be a tough team to beat for anybody in the ACC. Yeah, I agree. And it's crazy. But, guys, Miami moves on to face a head coachless Florida State team next week looking for a boost <laughs> who won't get it. And Louisville has to face Pitt. That's going to be a hell of a matchup this upcoming weekend. It will be in our pick six, I can already tell you. Um, but, guys, we're going to move on here. Second segment of the day, and it's one that, Brandon, we didn't think we were going to have this year. We really didn't. True. But the Big Ten is back. They dropped their official 2020 schedule this weekend. It's a perfect time to do our breakdown of the conference schedule. Check out some older episodes to hear us break down the other conferences. But this one finally made it on the show. I'm excited for it. We're not making our official predictions yet. Those are coming the week before the Big Ten start. But, you know, we're going to talk which team has the easiest path to the title, which team's caught unlucky breaks, which team's pissed off the commissioner. So, Brandon... I think we already know. I don't even have to introduce it. Well, let's start with the hardest schedule, and let's just do it together because I know we have the same team. Go ahead. The Nebraska Cornhuskers. Has to be, oh, right? Oh, they're, they're God. the ones who wanted to play. Man. The ones who were suing Kevin Warren. Man, man, man. Listen, the Big Ten is over Nebraska, and they said, oh, you want to leave? You want to leave? Bet. <laughs> <laughs> Here is Ohio State on the road week one, my guy. Have fun with Justin Fields after he dropped 50 on you last year at your place. Oh, and you thought that was enough. You also got Penn State this year. 
So, so they drew right? two of the worst games they possibly could. In the first four weeks, and they said, oh, that's not hard enough. Let me just add Wisconsin in between those. Yeah. Well, they had to play Wisconsin regardless. They're in yeah, but division. the positioning is what, like, uh, I mean, yeah. you get Ohio State, Northwestern, who won't be a super easy game. They're improving. Wisconsin, then Penn State? Right. That's brutal. <laughs> that is brutal. I mean, you get to play in the first – Three weeks of the season, you get to play the two teams that were in the Big Ten Championship last year. Right. Almost back-to-back. And, Brandon, the funny thing is they weren't supposed to play Ohio State this year in terms of, like, how the schedule adjusts. They played Ohio State last year. And since there's 14 teams in the Big Ten now, you're not supposed to play the same cross-divisional opponent each year. So the Big Ten purposely gave them Ohio State – to prove a point. And, you know, you, you like Dan Patrick. You said he's a valid source. He said an insider source that was in the meeting of the schedule making said Kevin Warren and the schedule makers made this a point. This was the first matchup they made. They did this, and they said it was open on the table, and Kevin Warren was going to make this happen. Well, that's, oh, that's that seems rude. That's – I love it. I love it. And you also get to play Iowa on the road – so you got to go to the children's hospital, which will be like the, the, every, the I don't know what, what's Iowa's attendance thing. Are they doing like ten percent? I don't know. I, off the top of my head, but the children's hospital is still going to be in play there, and and you get a season-ending game against Minnesota, who almost won your division last year. Right. I mean, look, listen, listen. This schedule is. I mean, the Big Ten is here to make the Cornhuskers wish they would have just stayed quiet. And listen, after beatdowns in the in the first few weeks, I think the Cornhuskers are going to be begging to go back to the Big 12 anyway. I mean, Brandon, do you see any way the Cornhuskers don't start one and three? Um, No. <laughs> Not <laughs> even might, a chance. They might, they might start over four. That's what I was saying. I hope Northwestern beats them. I'll root for it because I don't like Nebraska right now. I don't. I'm I was on their side. Okay, I was on their side, but I still don't like Nebraska in the first place. So I am all for this torture. This is this is cruel, unusual punishment, and I'm all for it here. Um, you know, the Cornhuskers when we do our Big Ten predictions are not going to be in my top five. Let's just say that. Um, but Brandon, honorable mention here. This team didn't deserve what they got for me, and that's the Indiana Hoosiers. Yeah, I mean. They they deserve better. They weren't outspoken, and guess what? They contribute in basketball, unlike Nebraska. That that is fair. That is more than fair. And, and, and Michigan and some other schools. I mean, they get no breaks though. I mean, Brandon, all in the first five games, they have to play Penn State, Michigan, Michigan State, Ohio State. Not good. Not good and for them. A, they threw a Rutgers in week two, but that doesn't help. They gave I them mean, a little bit. Just a little bit, and then you have to play Wisconsin, and then Purdue's finally healthy, and you get to end the season with Purdue. Man, it's uh, not good for them whatsoever. They're done for. Oh, that's a fact. I mean, and this team gets the best of the best of the Big Ten in almost back-to-back games, and Michigan, Michigan State, Ohio State are back-to-back, and you know, injuries, fatigue, COVID could make the schedule, I think, one of the most daunting in the country. And I mourn 
my poor Indiana Hoosiers today, and the Big Ten did them dirty. No, I mean, no doubt. Oh, man. Do you have an audible mention, Brandon? Um, no, but I've got a lot of ideas about the easy schedules. I've got a lot oh, of thoughts. Oh, um, Ohio State um, um, is the only choice here for the easiest schedule. That's the easiest. There, there are a lot of easy ones, though. Well, let's talk Ohio State first. I mean, they didn't need any help, Brandon, but here we are, and they gave them the easiest meat of the schedule uh, in the entire in the entire country. Yes, 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 uh, yes, yes, yes. <laughs> I mean, no, Brandon, I don't think anyone will even watch an Ohio State game from week three to week seven of the Big Ten schedule. I mean, they get Nebraska to come get demolished. You know, Penn State on the road is going to be a big test. But then they get Rutgers, Maryland, Indiana, Illinois, all back to back to back. Right. They don't have to play Minnesota or Wisconsin. So, I mean, they just, they're, they're out of division games just are a joke. Uh, you know, Brandon, between those four games, I think Fields might play a combined four quarters between all four of them. <laughs> I mean, that would be disrespectful, but yeah. I mean, and listen, they do get Michigan, Michigan State back to back, but I think Ohio State's leaps and bounds better than both of those teams. Um, I don't think that's a huge, I, I don't know. I don't think that's a huge, um, task for them no. and listen i think ohio state's going to run away with this title man uh you know if even if michael parsons opts back in i just i think there's just too much to overcome man i mean how does how does ohio state lose a game i i don't know i don't think that they do i, I mean i i really and truly think they go undefeated and i i don't even think the michigan game's close like the Michigan game is is sometimes like a pretty fun game to watch. There, I don't think that one's close. I think the only chance they lose in is in uh, Champions Week. Yeah, I agree. I completely agree. But Brandon, go ahead. I, you said you had a lot of thoughts, so take it over. Yeah, well, let's talk about let's talk about the other division here. Uh, and let's, I mean, Wisconsin and Minnesota got off pretty easy, didn't they? <laughs> I would I would say. <laughs> I mean, Minnesota drew Michigan, Maryland, uh, just Michigan and Maryland from the other division. So that's their two out-of-division games. Then Wisconsin drew uh, Michigan and Indiana. So I I get it. Indiana beat Wisconsin last year. Who cares? Oh, I'm sorry. Illinois beat them. Those those are the same school to me. Wow. That's um, tough. I'm sorry. I mean, I know Lovey Smith beat them, and I was like, oh, he's for sure in Indiana, but he's just not. Okay, so so Wisconsin gets two really easy out of uh, out of division games, as does Minnesota. They both drew Michigan, so I mean we didn't even talk about about the honorable mention that Michigan is for for a hard schedule. I mean, good lord! I mean, it's as if Jim Harbaugh was already fighting for his life, right, Zach? <laughs> yeah, they get Minnesota and Penn State back to back. They get Michigan State. They, their bye week lies before what Indiana. Yeah, I mean that's that's not a good look, and they it's just uh, I don't know, man. I I'm real real upset at what has happened here. Yeah, I don't know. I, I mean, they. I mean, the, I don't know why we're shocked. I have no idea why we're shocked because the Big Ten is just doing the same thing that the SEC did, you know, and and then the ACC did, where where they give the best teams the easiest. Uh, shot to make it to the playoff. I, I mean, I mean, 
you know, surprised. We talk, we talk about Michigan, though. I mean, they also could start one and three. They could. And they, they look, they, they might. might. <laughs> they might. Because of what? They had six players opt out right after the schedule was dropped. Which is a, just an awful look, right? That Dude, that has to hurt my feelings. I mean, are you seriously been wasting my time? We're developing, getting, hopefully getting ready for the season. And as soon as we fight to get you guys to play, you say, I, I'm out. I'm they good. Saw, they saw they had Minnesota week one. They said, I'm not so sure. And then they saw they had Wisconsin week four. And they said, you know what? That's enough of that. We're out. So, yeah, well, I mean, Go ahead. It's like every other week. They got – well, uh, the first two weeks they get Minnesota-Michigan State. Tough games. Then they get a break with Indiana. They get Wisconsin. They get a break with Rutgers. Here comes Penn State. A break with Maryland. Here comes Ohio State. It's like you get like – it's like drowning in the ocean, and you just get like short breaths in between waves. And you're just like, maybe I won't drown today. Hopefully the rip current doesn't pull me under. Yeah. Uh, I don't know, man. Because what happens if they lose to Indiana? What, what, like, God forbid they lose to Indiana. Uh, will you be on the, will, will you be on the fire Jim Harbaugh train with me then, Brandon? I might have to be. I, I don't think that they can fire him. I think it's a ridiculous take that you have. And they will fire him. Well, but if I they mean, start out, if they start out 0-4, then yeah, he's not making it to game five. Brandon, based on the schedule right now, what is it? Is it 10 games? It's eight. Eight? Brandon. Three and five looks like the most likely record for Michigan. Are you okay with three and five? No, I'm not okay with three and five, but I you you might be right with three and five now that I'm looking at it. I don't know, maybe four and four. Okay, if they beat Michigan State with a first year head coach, you get any credit for that? No. Well, probably not. No. no? Okay. So four and four. You're okay with four and four? No. You're, no. you're the third highest paid head coach in the entire country. No, I mean, you think you gotta, you gotta, you gotta cut off some loose ends at that point. Maybe trim the that's, fat. That's what I'm saying. I mean, come on, man. You know, Minnesota, Wisconsin, that is going to be a barn burner for that, for, for that division. Yeah, it is. I mean, it, that, that, those teams are going to be fighting and clawing. And, you know, I'm really upset that those game that, that game isn't the last week of the season. It's not the last week of the season, but Zach, there is a silver lining because that is November twenty eighth. That is the, that is normally rivalry weekend, so we we get that. That's gonna pressure. be that's gonna be a brutal week, man. There is there can be some big games on that weekend. But Brandon, you know, just like a little brief aside here for the Big Ten, you know the the Champions Week is you know they're gonna everyone's gonna play. Do you think it hurts or helps their chances of getting two teams in the playoff with that setup? Ah, uh, that's that's really tough. I I don't think it does anything really. I, I mean, I I guess I could see one scenario where where I guess Ohio State gets in and then either either Wisconsin or Minnesota also get in if you're in the Big Ten, and I guess. It kind of hurts if you're the loser of the Wisconsin Minnesota game, who doesn't make it to the championship, to like the true championship game, and then you have to go play again and maybe lose that game. Yeah, I see how that hurts, but I mean, I don't know. That seems like a long shot to me. I don't, I, yeah, I mean, I mean, these, out of these two teams, I see them each losing one game. Maybe. Wisconsin and Minnesota. Yeah. 
I can see that. Uh, I I think they they both really have it. The winner of that game has a real good shot at going undefeated because I mean, looking at their schedule, they both avoid Ohio State. Yes, they both have Michigan, but with all the opt outs, how big of a threat is that? And their biggest threat might just be Iowa, right? Who the big thing here though is Minnesota gets Iowa at home. Wisconsin has to travel to Iowa in December twelfth, where that weather is going to be. God awful in Iowa on December twelfth. Yeah, that's true. So I mean, just uh, Brandon, snow football all week. I know you've already said it. Going to be wonderful on the weekend of December nineteenth. But I know you know we're going to wrap this episode up here in a second. But Brandon, I got to ask. I saw some people talking about this on ESPN. Um, what happens if a COVID outbreaks happen? There's no chance to reschedule a game. No, I mean they. The big the Big Ten went with the eight games and eight weeks thing, or I guess now it's nine games and nine weeks, um, no bye weeks for for anybody in this conference. So yeah, you, you don't have it. I mean, I mean, let's look at let's look at like uh, I mean the Baylor Houston game for instance, where where there was an outbreak and it wasn't handled very well, and they are able to reschedule, but. You aren't able to do that if you're the Big Ten, unless you want to push that back to the weekend. It's like to the weekend of Christmas, like after right. Championship weekend, and then like Championship weekend's kind of null and void at that point, right? If if you're having to reschedule the uh, the the Wisconsin Minnesota game for the weekend after that, I mean that that ruins things, right? And Brent, so. What happens if Ohio State, like let's say they play Rutgers and having a COVID outbreak, Maryland has to cancel, or Indiana, or like you have two games. Are you letting a six and zero Ohio State team into the playoffs? I don't know, man. Uh, that, that's that's going to be brutal, right? I mean, because what happens if Florida? Off. I mean, barely, uh, barely bowl eligible, really. Yeah, or like what happens? Worst case, to get five wins, five game, like you can't let a five win team into the playoffs. No. Because if Florida's nine and one, Georgia's t- ten and one, or Bama's ten and zero, or Clemson's ten and one, um, Notre Dame's ten and one, those teams have to come before like a six win. Well, I think you're pushing it with eight games. Yeah, no, I big, mean that that was their whole thing, though. That's why they're playing the nine games. That's why everyone's playing championship weekend so that they have some kind of an argument to get in. Okay, I got to get your reaction on this, and then we'll end this off. I saw a big so the same critique about the schedule was like how how do you how do you compare eleven game schedule for Clemson to an eight game schedule of Ohio State or nine game I guess with conference weekend? And the Big Ten person was like, "Well, the SEC always plays eight conference games," and the large response was like, "Yes, but they don't play Rutgers, Maryland, Indiana, and Illinois all back to back in their schedule." Like it, it's just like I I don't think this debate will ever rest until we get like unified conference scheduling because you know I don't I don't think an eight an eight game schedule is comparable. I really don't, and I know that you get some backlash about that. I'm not saying they don't belong in the playoffs if they get, if they go nine and zero, they definitely belong. If they win the big 10, they get through all their games. But I think if you lose even one to two games, if you don't get to nine, maybe eight wins, I don't think you can get in the playoffs. I'm sorry. I don't care who it is. If it was Auburn and we lost LSU, had an outbreak, Alabama, all that. And we only played seven games. So we went undefeated. I would say we don't belong in the playoffs. 
Yeah. Absolutely. Uh, you have to at least get eight, right? I mean, th- can we at least set some type of standard here? I don't know, man. It's a weird year. I, I Look, I, I haven't made my mind up on this matter yet, so I'm not going to speak on it, but I don't know. That's tough. <laughs> right, I said, I'm not going to indict myself here on yeah. <laughs> this episode. Yeah, this is, this is on the record. Oh, guys, this is this is a wrap on this episode, though. You know, 45 minutes. Um, we, we have a busy week, though, guys. We had to come a day late. Uh, Beto was feeling under the weather. Had to make sure your boy was good. So he's back. We rolling. This episode will be out um, midnight on, what, or midnight Tuesday morning, I guess. Guys, Wednesday, we are live streaming our SEC preview prediction episode. So tune in there. It'll be available on Periscope on our Twitter at the underscore underscore Blue Bloods. It will be live on our YouTube, the Blue Bloods CFB podcast. Go find us on there and our Facebook at the Blue Bloods pod. You can find all the announcements, everything on all our social medias, all that good stuff. Guys, find it out. Come figure out who we pick for the SEC. We've been working hard on some new graphics, other stuff like that. So this one's going to be the most lit live stream we've had so far. So go subscribe to our YouTube channel, follow us on Twitter and Facebook and our Instagram at the underscore blue bloods for announcements, live streams, all that good stuff. So tune in, find out what we do in there. We'll also have an episode coming out Thursday or Friday. We haven't decided which day, but we're doing pick six preview of the big weekend of college football. So tune in for that too. You guys get, a lot more Blue Bloods content this week, so we appreciate all y'all tuning in. Check out our website, thebluebloodspod.com. Um, find us everywhere, man. I think we're almost through the process of being on the new Amazon platform, so find us on there if that's what your preferred platform is now. But we appreciate all of you guys listening. Keep listening. Keep subscribing. Keep rating the podcast. We love all our supporters out there, man. We appreciate all y'all. But for right now, we out. <laughs> <laughs>